Welcome to Worship Leader, Pastoral Prophet. My name is Alec Beard. Um, so we've got an hour, about an hour, 55 minutes now together. I'm going to talk for a little bit, and then I want to have time for question and response. Um, I'm going to pray first, and then we'll kind of just jump in. Sound good? Father, we love you. As we gather here today to discuss worship leadership, God, I ask that you would be among us in a tangible way. Would you allow all of us to set our attention on you and remember, first and foremost, the reason that we're here is to worship you ourselves. I'm so grateful um, that you've allowed us to gather in this place, that you've given us this building to meet in, that you've allowed every single person in this room to travel safely here today. Please fill me with your spirit as I speak. God, please speak through me. Would you draw us deeper into your presence today? Would you open our minds and allow us to learn things from each other that would allow us to go home and lead your people into deeper experiences of worship and truer experiences of worship with you? I give you all the glory and all the honor, Jesus. Amen. All right. So as I said, my name is Alec. I, uh, I serve as the worship leader of People's Church East Cincinnati, and I also serve as the creative director of People's Church Network, which is a new thing that we've just gotten started in the past year or so. Um, so the title that I selected for this talk is, as you know, Worship Leader, colon, pastoral prophet, basically an outline of what I'm going to talk about. The concept is something that I didn't come up with myself, and I didn't get directly from the Lord in prayer or anything mystical like that. I was actually listening to a teaching online by uh, Brian Johnson, who most of you might be familiar with. He's a, a worship leader at Bethel in California. And um, so the concept is that throughout Scripture, there doesn't seem to be a really clear description of what the role of a worship leader in the church in the world in 2019 is supposed to look like, right? So what we're going to talk about is this idea that I, I would argue that I think a good way to think about the role of a worship leader is to think of ourselves as pastoral prophets. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. And I want this to be an interactive experience. So before I say any more, can you guys raise your hand if you are a worship leader yourself? Cool, cool. Um, can you raise your hand if you lead the team that you're a part of? Sweet. Right on. So first off, I'm going to read a scripture. I'm going to read from the message, which I don't normally do, but that's what we're going to do. If you prefer a different version, you're welcome to read it as I'm reading, or later. In Ephesians chapter 4, between verses 7 and 13, the message says, He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor-teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. 
So like I said, in this session, there's a lot of really good practical things that we can talk about, like music and band and, and vocals and how do you manage teams and stuff like that. But I want to talk a little bit about basically just the theology behind what we do. Um, is that cool with you guys? Sweet. So what we just read is a passage that, if you've been in church a while, you've heard a lot, that talks about this five-fold ministry idea that leaders in the church are often gifted with one of these five gifts of being a prophet or a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist or an apostle. And so basically, if we're going to go in line with that, what does the role of the worship leader look like? And I, I'll i give you a little bit of background of my experience in worship leadership. Um, I grew up in the church. My parents are pastors. They're right here. Um, and I started taking piano lessons when I was eight years old and didn't do it because I wanted to lead worship by any means. I actually did it because my grandparents wanted me to, and I'm super grateful for that. Um, when I was in middle school, I decided the piano wasn't cool enough, so I started playing drums. And I served in our youth group and played keys and drums through middle school. And then I uh, got a guitar for Christmas my freshman year of high school. And when I got that guitar, I started just casually inviting friends over to our house. And I'd be like, hey, you guys want to have like a worship and prayer night? And so I would play my guitar and I would look up chord charts and sing songs and do that in my own time by myself and then invite a few friends at a time to join me once in a while. And my senior year of high school, um, our youth pastor probably just texted me. I don't think he even called me. We were about to have a ski retreat, a winter retreat with the youth group. And I was supposed to be playing drums or something like that. And uh, the guy who volunteered and led our worship team was sick, or maybe his kid was sick. Regardless, he wasn't able to make it, so our youth pastor was like, hey, do you want to lead worship this weekend? And I was like, uh, sure, I guess. <laughs> and he knew a little bit that I had like invited friends over and led worship. But honestly, before that moment, I didn't realize that I was leading worship, and I didn't think I was. Um, so anyway, I, it was like a weekend experience, led worship. I played guitar and sang some songs, and my sisters played and sang with me. And after that, a few of the adult leaders came up to me and were like, Alec, you're so clearly anointed for this. This is my senior year of high school, so I'm already trying to think about, like, what am I doing with my life? What kind of career am I going to pursue? And I had thought I was going to be a missionary, and I still hope that that will happen someday, God willing. But... I had no thought, like, music is going to be my career, music is going to be my livelihood, and here we are. And I'm, like, doing my dream job, and I get paid for it, so praise the Lord. Um, so that I started leading worship for our youth group throughout the second half of my senior year of high school. I then went to Evangel University and led worship uh, in chapels once a week throughout several different semesters, um, led for different prayer gatherings on Saturday evenings. A bunch of us would come together and just pray and seek God's face, and then pray over each other prophetically and ask for miracles. And like we saw God's kingdom come, as I'm sure a lot of you have in lots of different ways. Um, then I moved home to Cincinnati. I was on staff at a Methodist church, actually, as the director of contemporary worship for about nine months. And that was a really cool experience, getting to be in a different culture. I grew up in an AG culture, and getting to work in a different culture was both challenging and really um Challenging in a good way. Like, it allowed me to grow and learn things that I, I don't think I ever would have in a setting where I was more comfortable. Um, and now, 
we uh, started planting a church called People's Church East just about a year ago. We're about to celebrate our first anniversary. And since then, I've been the worship leader of that location. And so it's been an adventure. And um, the topic that I want to talk about today is just that I feel like it's one of the things that's closest to my heart about what I do. If it weren't for the ministry that we're doing of prophesying over people and pastoring people, I wouldn't want to just be a musician on a Sunday morning. And I know that a lot of you, I, everybody's head's nodding. It's like, that's how we all feel, right? So let's talk about that. I want to read one other passage um, that we're pretty familiar with as Pentecostal followers of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 14. Give yourselves to the gifts God, God gives you. Most of all, try to proclaim His truth. If you praise Him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does. For you are sharing intimacies just between you and Him. But when you proclaim His truth in everyday speech, you're letting others in on the truth so that they can grow and be strong and experience His presence with you. How cool is that? So what we're doing on Sunday mornings is more than singing songs, as we all know. It's uh, more than leading a band, which is what we do also, right? The reason we do all of these things is so that we can speak truth over people so that they can experience the presence of God. Amen? So I was thinking about this, this concept of a prophet as a worship leader, and we think about Old Testament prophets. It seems like oftentimes the prophets had the most influential role when Israel, a.k.a the people of God, had forgotten things about God, right? They'd forgotten what God had done. They'd forgotten who God was. They'd forgotten what God had told them. And the role of the prophet was to speak this truth that the people had maybe already heard, but in a very clear, concise way that was empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? And it pierced people's hearts. And there was a remnant of those Israelites who came back to God. And a lot of that was due to the ministry of these prophets. So I think in a sense, as worship leaders, as pastoral prophets, one way that I think about our role is more on a short-term basis of forgetfulness. I think in our culture today, we have a lot of people in our churches who come to church on a Sunday morning and don't spend time with the Lord other than that. And that's not a good thing, but that's how it is in a lot of settings. And so... Since we're talking about worship leadership, I'm not going to go out over here and talk about discipleship and small groups and stuff because those are necessary for that ministry. But as a worship leader, I feel like part of my job is when somebody walks in who's been working nine to five and then goes home and takes care of their kids and then goes to a second job and then goes home and sleeps for five hours and then wakes up and does the whole thing again six days a week and then they come to church on Sunday morning, they don't feel like worshiping God, right? Maybe they, got, maybe they fell in love with Jesus 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and there is a part of their heart that really loves the Lord, and there's a part of their heart that is in communion with Him at all times. But I think mentally we can get so distracted, right? And I've worked jobs outside the church as well, and it's true. Like you're, If you're not working in ministry, you've got tons of other stuff on your mind, right? 
So I feel like one of our main roles is reminding people of the truth of who God is and what He's done. And I always like to start my worship sets with that in mind, with uh, lyrics that are focused on reminding the people of attributes of God or declaring things, basically. So I think we can... Songs are sometimes written with different purposes. Sometimes they'll be declaring truth. Sometimes they'll be songs of response of us saying something back to God, right? Um, And sometimes they'll be even more intimate in ways of just encountering God and exchanging things with God. And I like to start my sets with this first category of declaring truth. And I think that allows people who are coming in and maybe it's a young, a single young adult like myself who just rolled out of bed and has been, has been partying all weekend, not like myself necessarily. For the, let the record state. <laughs> um, or maybe it's someone, like I mentioned before, who's got a family and they just spent the past hour trying to get all their kids in the van and then they roll into church five minutes late and they're stressed out and they don't want to be there. What, what was that? <laughs> Um, I like to start my set in a way that it just declares simple truth. God, you're good. God, thanks for saving me. Even that is kind of a borderline one. Like declaring thanksgiving, I'm all for entering God's house with thanksgiving and praise. But I think starting with something, a song that declares really simple truth that does not involve my feelings toward it can be really powerful. Um, so songs like Jesus, you're the Lord of all. That's true no matter how I feel, no matter where I've been, no matter what I've been doing. So starting with truth, and I feel like that's important because it allows people to remember and get into a state of remembering what God has done, remembering who God is, and then they want to worship along with us, right? And that's because of the broken world we live in. In the future, sorry if you hadn't heard this before, but in eternity, we're, uh, we've got no job security as worship leaders because people are just going to be face-to-face with Jesus all the time. They're not going to need us to lead them into worship. It's just going to be happening. Come on. Yes! <laughs> and so I think our job is really important currently because we want people to experience God's presence. Like, that's what we care about. We want people to be full of the Spirit. We want to cultivate, like, a temple kind of experience where our worship becomes the throne that He sits on, right? You guys are, I love this. You guys are so here for this and with me. This is exciting. But our people aren't often ready to walk in and do that just like we are. So, it's super important that each of you and I as worship leaders are spending time abiding in Jesus. And I think that's more important, I'll dare to say it's more important than picking your songs, it's more important than practicing the piano, it's more important than memorizing lyrics, it's more important than what boots I wear. If I have not spent time alone with the Lord, especially throughout the week, every single day, and especially the the moments before I lead worship, how am I going to expect to bring anybody with me, right? 
<laughs> you can't take people where you aren't. You can't say, hey, I, I'm in charge, but I'm going to stay over here. You guys, the throne room's over there. Yep, you got it. <laughs> so we're living in a lifestyle. I think we're called to a higher standard. That's something that we see in the New Testament about leaders within the church, that we're to live above reproach, that we're to have our lives in order in a way that's a higher standard than uh, every single follower of Jesus. And I think as worship leaders, sometimes, at least I've felt like, oh, I'm not that important, I'm just the singer. And I think that's a lie from hell. Yeah. And so if you've ever felt like that, I just want to tell you that's not true, and what you're, what you're doing is important. Because, yeah, people can get together and sing a song. Maybe. I'd... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have really incredible churches that are just made up of choirs, but it's possible, right? It's possible that people can get together and sing a song without a leader. Possible. I doubt it, but it's possible. <laughs> but can a people come together and step into God's presence without a leader? I guess maybe if it's like a group of people and we all knew each other and we all have done this before, yeah. But on a Sunday morning, when in a culture where people are coming to church maybe twice a month and they don't know everybody else in the church and it's like, singing's awkward. I don't like singing. Why would I sing in public? Or someone who's never been into a church walks in and there's a band on stage and everything they've experienced with music is like, this is a concert. I'm going to stand here and this music's okay. I've heard way better music other places. <laughs> So, I'm getting kind of scattered, I apologize. Um, as a prophet, I think we need to use an economy of words. As a worship leader, it's not my job to preach. So on a Sunday morning when I've got, I usually lead three songs for our services that I lead. I know that somebody else is coming to share a message that God's given them, and they're going to take 25 to 30 minutes to share the Word of God with us. And so, as a worship leader, before a song or between songs, I can talk for five minutes. And I know you all know, in worship leader time, five minutes is a long time. Because, all right, we're going to do another poll. If, they, if you have about 15 minutes during a service to lead worship, raise your hand. 15 minutes or more, let's start there. Anybody have less than 15 minutes? Okay, sweet. All right, put them back up. And then 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. I, 35, 40? So we get 30, and then as the Holy Spirit happens. Praise God. <laughs> That's incredible. I love that. We are super fortunate and blessed. That's amazing. That's awesome. Praise God. Um, so the average is we're working with like 20 to 25 minutes, right? So if you talk for five minutes, that's a lot of talking. And I think as, as pastoral prophets, we should try to take truth and speak it really concisely and really pointedly. Because if you say something in five minutes, no one's ever going to think, wow, that was really good and they took a really long time to say that. But if you, if you take 30 to 60 seconds between songs and you speak some truth, that's going to pierce people's hearts in ways that they don't even realize it's happening. 
And I think that is when we've done our job well. When somebody is responding in worship and they don't even realize that it's because you led them to that point, praise God. That means you did your job right. People shouldn't be focused on, man, this guy can sing. Man, that's, this guy, wow, he can play the guitar really well. Like, I'm going to think that stuff because we're musicians, right? But what we want is people hearing truth, and it just pierces their soul by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it causes them to respond in worship. Um, I want to touch on just briefly the reason I put pastoral as like an adjective in front of the word prophet is because something that I've seen amongst friends and colleagues and in the church is I th- sometimes people can be really, really, really intimate worshipers. And uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're in a setting where people are not necessarily super expressive in worship, and the worship leader will just go there and just do it, but forget that there's a bunch of people in front of them that need to hear some truth. Or maybe you're there. I've also seen and experienced leaders who uh, perform really well and engage with people, um, but you don't see them interacting with God directly. So I think our job as worship leaders is way more complicated than we're given credit for sometimes. Because I'm supposed to be aware of all of you in front of me, and I'm supposed to be aware of inter- encountering God, and I'm supposed to be able to remember lyrics. And if I'm playing an instrument, I'm supposed to remember chords. And if I'm leading the band and I don't have a music director, I'm supposed to lead the entire band. It's like, what? So don't let people discount your job, okay? You're doing more than performing, and you're also doing more than preaching. Not more. You're doing... Off the record. (laughs) You're multitasking in a way that... Like, I've, I've also preached a couple times. Not a lot. I'm not a preacher. But you're, mul- you're a multitasker as a worship leader. You've got a lot going on. and if, So if you're not in a place where your relationship with God is super intimate in the secret place, you're not going to be able to add that as another thing of your checklist in the back of your head, right? You can't once a week just be like, all right, this is my time of worship. Nope. That will not work. And so that's then the practical things of practice and preparation. Man, I spent hours practicing lyrics. I don't know about you guys, lyrics are hard for me to memorize. So I like sometimes write them out and speak them, different strategies to try to memorize stuff. But um, the pastoral part, my heart should be for the people in front of me when I'm leading worship. My time of private worship should happen in private. My deepest intimate moments with the Lord should happen in secret, as Jesus said, in Matthew something, around the Lord's Prayer, you know. Like I said, not a preacher. (laughs) But people go out and proclaim stuff in public, and they say lofty words. But what you should do is close your door and get with God and pray. So that intimacy needs to be fostered in private. And um, then when we're in public, that's just who we are. And I feel like my deepest desire as a worship leader should be to see every single person in front of me worshiping Jesus yeah. and encountering yeah. the presence of God. Yeah. And so, in my preparation, like the morning of especially, I like to ask God to give me His heart for His people. 
Because it's easy for me to get frustrated. Why aren't these people worshiping? Like, this, my band sounds really good. We are on it today. Well, yeah, like, I have there, has anybody ever had one of those Sundays where you're like, we just crushed it and the people were just dead? <laughs> um, I'm going to dare to say, if that happens to me, that's my fault. And that means that I'm valuing the wrong thing. So I want my deepest desire when I'm leading worship to be for the guy in the back who forgot about God this week to walk in and within 15, 20, 25 minutes, I'm able to lead him to a place where he's encountering God and he's worshiping Jesus. Let's see what else I got written down. Another aspect of being a worship leader, pastoral prophet, I think part of the pastoral part is teaching people what we're doing, right? Teaching people how to do what we're doing. So again, using an economy of words, saying as much as you can with as few words as you can, make give a little ad lib between lines. If you believe this, sing it. Those kind of things are so powerful to me as like when someone else is leading something that's really simple and short but makes you think about what you're doing. Or another one I like is like sing it straight to him. Because then it makes me think about what I'm doing, right? It's like, okay, God's here. The reason I'm singing this is, yeah, the melody's cool and I'm glad I'm here with my friends. But I'm singing this to Jesus. Or... Uh, when I'm trying to get the people to sing really loudly, <laughs> like the band's building right, saying something like, come on, sing it out, give him all you got, because he deserves it. It's like, let people remember why we're doing what we're doing. We're not doing it just for hype. Keep people's attention focused on Jesus. That's what our job is. All right? I don't have a lot more to say. Um, let me see if I missed anything that I'd written down. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, I'm going to call this question and response because I don't think I have the answers to everything. But I'll respond in some way. <laughs> and maybe if somebody else has an answer, let's just make this a, a kind of discussion. So open it up. Um, what questions or thoughts do you have? Wow, that's a very good question. A couple things come to mind. One thing that I learned in one of the group, one of the places I led, is I can't, I'm not God. So maybe, just maybe, people who are standing still, like statues and singing, are worshiping really fully. Yeah. That would be my first word of encouragement, is just because people aren't dancing and jumping and have their hands up does not mean that they're not worshiping Jesus. Yeah. 
we're all designed differently, and I think people need permission to worship in the way that they're created to. Um, so that would be my first encouragement. Maybe the people that this person is leading, um, that's just a, a general demeanor or a culture. And so I think as we lead worship in that setting, telling people, like I've done this before, telling people, you have permission in this place to raise your hands and to shout and to get on your face and to cry, and you also have permission to stand still or sit in your seat and worship God the way that you feel like you were created to worship. Um, so that's something that really helped me because I've been in settings where I've been frustrated for weeks on end. And so that would be my first word of encouragement. And then secondly, I would just say, I think if you if you were called to this at one time, you're still called to it. Um, and I'm, I can't speak for God or for a specific situation and Maybe that person can wrestle with God and say, hey, am I allowed to go to a different place to do this? <laughs> Maybe they're really tired of it. Um, but I think just remembering that the work you're doing is super important. And even if people aren't grateful toward you, we're not living for the approval of men, right? We're doing what we're called to do by the Lord. So I think obedience is super important. Good, great question. Thanks. Who else? the people are only going to go a step or two below where you're at mm. as the leader. So, like, when we're looking out from the stage and we're like, okay, everybody's just kind of standing here. What are you doing? Like, mm. we're worshiping and you're just staring at me. I have to be reflective, like, do that inward reflection really quickly of, okay, but am I going there? Or am I, yeah. am I actually all in today? Or am I kind of just being really, you know, melodic and oh okay yeah we're here with jesus or am i going for it because right if i'm not going for it they're two steps behind me yeah because they're not the worship leader they're yeah. not you know they're not gonna be as in that mindset of okay i'm here to worship because this is literally what i was built for yeah so i think that too, yeah in that aspect of realizing like i might not be doing something wrong if i'm not at level 10 mm-hmm. but if i'm not at level 10 i can't expect them to be at that's good. I like that. I want to go off that. I've never thought of that in that exact way. But I've been inspired by artists, musicians who tour and perform. Like, man, the crowds that are having the most fun are the singers who are acting the craziest. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like we as worship leaders need to give ourselves permission to look kind of crazy. And to perform for God and to act in a way that like, man, I, I do dance around like, and look pretty funny. People laugh at me when we watch back videos, but yeah, I think outwardly and spiritually, I agree with what you're saying. Um, if I'm standing in a congregation and I'm like, I'm a super expressive person, but I, nobody around me is expressing themselves, and the worship leader isn't outwardly expressing themselves, I'm going to contain myself a little bit. So if we act in a way that people are like, oh, okay, that guy's crazy, but I can 
I can do what I want to do, and I'm not going to look like that. <laughs> kind of along that same vein, and maybe it's cliche now, but I heard it a long time ago, and it always stuck with me, was that instead of constantly calling us worship leaders, we are the lead worshipers. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I know everybody's probably heard that, but it's just, in instances like that, um, I was in a congregation where people were very expressive, and then mm-hmm. we went to another church where people aren't as expressive. Mm-hmm. Um, much yeah. And just be like, I'm going to be the lead person. Yes, and I love follow, that. Awesome. Yeah. You know, but I think you also hit the nail on the head earlier. It is trying to explain what it's like to, to lead worship to somebody who's never done it. It's like, yeah, you got to make sure you're in tune with God <laughs> and the Holy Spirit. You got to make sure that you're still, you can't be totally vertical. Right. <laughs> you can't be totally horizontal. You right. Know, right. Know, right. Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really good. And in a setting where maybe the culture has been to be less expressive, maybe they just need to see that for a few months to realize that that's okay and you're not crazy. I actually approach people in the congregation after I get to know them. If I re- if I see that they're lifting their hands, and yeah. I'm like, hey, after church, I'll go, hey, did you ever feel the Lord moving you to come up front? Mm-hmm. You know, during worship, mm-hmm. people can look at you and, and mm-hmm. feel more free to I love that. People who are already expressing themselves, encouraging mm-hmm. them to step out. Yeah. To kind of help the body. Yeah. Them. Yeah, that's really good. And even asking them, like, hey, would you mind sitting in the first few rows? Yeah. Because <laughs> I want people to see that this is what we're doing. Yeah. I don't want everyone just to focus on you. Right. Being part of the worship team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really good. I think that's really good. I think that's a good leadership skill to be able to call your followers into a relationship where they feel valued. And so those people who are the first to express themselves, it's like, yeah, honoring them, that's so good. Over here. I think one of the things that you said, you're saying first row, sometimes being in the middle yeah. of the congregation and raising your yeah. hands so that other people around you see what... Everybody thinks, well, the Holy Rose down front, okay? <laughs> Sometimes just going out into the congregation mm-hmm. and being the one that will sit there and raise your hand will allow them the freedom to see that, hey, it's going on all around. Yes. Yeah, that's really good. And, and the other thing we were, you were talking about is your attitude when you come in that day. Mm-hmm. If you come in depressed, your, your worship is not going to reach expectations mm-hmm. so you have to hear your attitude and what's going on around you and really get into the Holy Spirit Yeah. and pray about it and make sure that you're coming in with high expectations if mm-hmm. you don't expect the congregation to react they're not going to yeah. if you come in with an expectation that I am going to do what I can through the Holy Spirit to encourage Mm-hmm. then you'll get a better reception from the congregation. Mm-hmm. That's good. I want to talk on that real quick, and then I'll come over here, about um, our emotional state, or feeling depressed, or even being clinically depressed. 
I think we can look at the Psalms and see that David experienced that. And I think that he was maybe the greatest worship leader in history. Um, and I, I agree with you. We need to, yeah, we need to be focused on that truth. Um, there have been days when I like don't want to worship and I'm still the worship leader. And something I see that David does in scripture is he kind of expresses his feelings, but then he almost always comes back and states truth at the end of the psalm and declares the truth about the situation. So I think that's really good. Like we should be doing that to ourselves before we get up and lead. Um, but don't feel like being depressed or not feeling like you want to worship disqualifies you from leading worship. Mm-hmm. People come from all over. Yeah. A lot of different backgrounds from church, like in the church. Yep. What was it? What were the things you thought of as you established the culture? Yeah. It's a good question. I thought about that a lot as we were planting the church, and honestly, I was like, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> so I still, honestly, I'm not really sure. Um, I think my response to your question would be to find the people who are worshipers and really um, investing in them. Like I'm in a, yeah, I'm in a church plant. We meet in an elementary school. We have around 75 people on a Sunday and half of them, not half, a good amount of them have never been in church before. Um, So establishing that culture on a Sunday morning is sometimes, well, I shouldn't say that. It hasn't been difficult. And I think the reason it hasn't been difficult is because I started with a core group of people who I, I asked to be leaders with me and having experiences outside of Sunday mornings, like once a month we have a prayer and worship night um, and having an experience and a, a time set aside to, to cultivate that worship culture within your people. And so then on Sunday mornings, something I say a lot is like after my opening song, I'll say something like, hey, what's up? My name's Alec. Welcome to People's Church East. I'm super glad that you're here. No matter what you believe about God, if you've been loving Jesus for the past 30 years, or if you don't yet believe that God exists, I'm glad that you're here and you're in the right place. We like to start our services by singing a few songs, and uh, you're welcome to sing along with us if you want to. The words are right here. So I'll give kind of that permission to people, and then I usually say something like, to get the, the, the worshipers, to get them hyped, I'm like, is there anybody here who does love Jesus and who does want to testify and who has seen him be good? And then the people are like, yeah, and then we just go for it. Um, so I would say developing a worship culture for me has always started in, a, in small group settings. Um, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. But I was going to share too that I, I really like how we use the term uh, pastoral prophet. Mm-hmm. Because when I share with our, our new worship leader, he came on a year ago, uh, I told him, I said, there's so many like little things, sir, that like, we learn from each other. Uh, but I must have told him this three, four times. The biggest thing for him from what I've learned is is not like it's great to get the chords right and get that 
said, nail the guitarist, great. But the most important thing is to get them worshiping out of their spirit. Mm -hmm. And that happens often, and in these, our worship is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's not every week, he doesn't force it. Yeah. But I'm just like, if God puts an idea in your head and you're just, you feel that Salem moment to just kind of sit yeah. and rest and just stay on that one chord and you're just chilling there, mm. he puts a thought in you and just sing it. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because it doesn't matter whether someone just came to Christ or whether they've been following Christ for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Something happens when, because that's prophesying. He's yeah. prophesying a truth that the Holy Spirit wants us all to celebrate. The Holy Spirit exactly. Yeah. So we now we're like, all right, we're gonna sing what you want us to sing. Yeah. And holy cow, that's where it gets mm. <laughs> Holy Jesus. That's where I think we all want it to get. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah, you're singing the red or the song. Right. Like, we want them eyes shut, they're yeah. hearing yep. a truth yeah. that God wants them to Amen. Singing a new song. Yeah. Like that's what we see in Psalms right. too, right? And in uh leading Absolutely. I love that. Thanks for saying that. Uh, I've been trying to get my team over the last few years to be the lead worshipers. Like, even though I have like a front line of singers, mm -hmm. their goal is just to sing what's on the music stand. Right, right. And since we're talking about the prophetic yeah. and all that, I'm trying to engage them to, to read more in the words so that when, mm. it, when it does come out of their lips, that's so good. It's good theology for one. Come on. Um, and then it's our personal worship to the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, but so we always make five minutes. We have like a forty-minute worship service. So awesome! Sorry. No, that's. You hiring? We always we plan this, but we always try to do five minutes of just meditating on on something, maybe just certain scripture, or maybe that last song. Yeah. Maybe we're talking about God moving, doing miracles in our lives. So yeah. About yeah, yeah, like yeah. Um, I love that. They're not there yet. Sure. But because they're, it's not on the paper and phone. How are they supposed yeah. to send that? Yeah. So I'm trying to get the word hidden in their heart. Mm. Um, that's so good. And another thing is, that's the lyrics, and then we have a sound. And I was thinking about um, Saul. Mm-hmm. You know, he was anointed king. He encountered a, a band of prophets. It says in the word. And it was a band of prophets, they weren't necessarily saying anything, but they were playing something. And just encountering that sound and, and being there caused him to prophesy. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep. So I believe that through the power of our sound, yeah. it can be translated to the congregation, yeah. prophesying stuff over their family. And their I agree. And yes. Even though they're not maybe responding the way, lifting up their hands, come on, really, lifting up their hands, that's outwardly. Mm -hmm. What's God doing inwardly? Yeah. Yep. So God's doing mighty things on the inside just through our sound. I agree. Yeah, I've found, yeah, in some of those intimate moments, I'll let myself just step back and just play the guitar or something. And I do think that has really supernatural power. You mentioned doing, uh, you know, just prayer times off of Sunday morning with your team. Yeah, yeah. What does that look like? Sure, yeah. Um, so we do it Friday nights once a month. Um, and I'm blessed, like, my pastor is the one who called those meetings and so our whole church is invited but we treat it in a way like this is obviously people who want to come to a prayer meeting on a Friday night <laughs> so we're gonna be charismatic and prophetic and uh, so I, I just bring my guitar um, 
having to bring my acoustic guitar and we have either my pastor or he calls someone else to lead the prayer times and usually that person and I'll talk the day of and I'm like hey is there anything you're focusing on so for example the last one uh, a guy named Brad great guy in our church a lay person led this prayer meeting and he was like yeah I'm going to talk about God's love and first I'm going to talk about God's love for us and then I'm going to talk about our love for God and then I'm going to talk about our love for each other and so I just came prepared to sing songs about love he's like so what do you got I was like I mean I got like five songs about love and I'll just like sing them whenever you want (laughs) and so I, I like to do it in a really laid back way of if I'm by myself that honestly is easier for me because I'm not leading other musicians um and I can just whip out a song that I've known for 10 years that feels like lyrically appropriate for what we're praying about so usually like I'll play a couple songs and we'll sing together I pick songs that I expect people know I haven't even printed lyric sheets yet that's something I want to do but just haven't so I'm singing songs um, like reckless love and I'm leading out lyrics vocally so like if we get to the chorus I'll stop singing the melody and instead I'll like say the next line before they sing it and that works for our setting yeah, and then I we open it up. I kind of say at some points, let's sing a new song to God. A little line like that. Um, and then I'll kind of, I like to musically be aware of what the Holy Spirit's doing, kind of like you were saying. I think the sound of what we're doing can be really prophetic. So if someone else is praying, I'm musically aware that I'm like bringing it down so they can be heard. And if they start saying something really deep and powerful, like I'll change the chord progression and start playing a little differently. And it's like amazing how you can control the emotion of a room with one little guitar. So those are just some things I do. During the yeah, during the moment, you mean? Yeah. Are you thinking about in your expression or in like actually sharing things out of your life or all the above? All of the above. Yeah. Cool. That's what, I love that question because I've I see that being a tension as well. Um, I feel like I'm only vulnerable about. Um, my flaws if it's in a way that I follow it up with a truth so like sometimes I'm really honest especially if we're in a really intimate place sometimes I'll say something like um, maybe this week's been really hard for you I don't know or maybe you've had a great week I don't know where you're at for me some really difficult things happened in my life this week but I know that God is still my defender, and God is still the Lord of all. And so following up vulnerability with truth is really important, I think, because if we are just vulnerable, even whether it's like uh, out of weak, which can be necessary, and I think encouraging to people to know like, oh, even the leader has weaknesses or struggles. But if we just leave it there, like the whole room is just going to be sad. (laughs) So following it up with simple, basic, straightforward truth 
I think is always helpful. And as, and then far, as far as like vulnerability of how intimate I am with the Lord in front of the people, I feel like worshiping and having my eyes open as the worship leader is usually where I start a set because I want to know where my people are at. And then if I get to a point where like I am, they've gotten to a place where they're aware of what's happening and I'm able to close my eyes and make it more of a vertical thing, so to speak, I'm going to do that because maybe they've never seen that before. And maybe they just need to see what it looks like for someone to be really intimate with the Father. Um, so I think, I mean, this is like a bad answer for you, but it's, I think it's really situational. And I think that um, as you get to know the people, like relationally, I think that's really important because if you're vulnerable from the stage, but then you don't really know anybody in your church relationally, that's going to be kind of weird. But if you're becoming friends with people and like sharing your life with people, and then you're vulnerable in the same way from the stage as you're speaking truth, people are going to love that. Yeah. But vulnerable maybe the situation and like especially pastors and worship leaders and everything else. We know a lot of things and there's a lot of things that, you know, we might might not be able to share with everybody. The situation might not be able to be shared, but the emotion like, hey, I've had a rough week, this is hard. My faith's been rough this week. But that's you know, that's all that shows up in the different values powerful that and it generalizes Yeah. Great question. Um, do you use Planning Center? So, raise your hand if you use Planning Center. Planning Center is an online service where you can manage all of your songs and all of your teams and volunteers and schedules and stuff. If you don't have Planning Center, you can write stuff down on paper or make a spreadsheet on a computer. Something I do. I'll start with your first question. How do I select songs? I'm in a setting where our vision and mission is to be racially reconciled and generationally rich. So I'm intentionally selecting, I've got three songs and I'm intentionally selecting one that's by someone who's not a white person. And I'm usually intentionally selecting one that's older. And then I'm selecting one that's like my favorite. (laughs) Because it's okay that I still have preferences. Um... And it's cool how as I listen to more music that I didn't like before, like, I love it now. So anyway, I'll just say that. As far as style and music selection goes, that's a whole long conversation. And then lyrical content is really important, I believe, in playing a worship set. So like I said, starting, sometimes I'll have, like, one song that I know I want to end with. Like, for example, tomorrow I'm introducing As You Find Me by Hillsong United. Um and so I'm, if I'm introducing a song, I want to do two other songs that I know my people know. Um, I want to start with songs that lyrically are declarative and then transition to songs of response. So starting with things like God, you're good, and then transitioning to things like I give my life to you. If you even if it's an upbeat song, if you start with I give my life to you, Jesus, people are going to be walking in and like, no thanks. <laughs> Um, so that's a process then musically speaking I I always try to pick keys that are relative if not the same 
And then as far as song selection and how much is too much, and I look at my spreadsheet of what songs I've led for the past 12 weeks or more. And I, if I'm introducing a song, I always do it two weeks in a row, sometimes three. If I don't do it three in a row, I do it the first, second, skip, and then do it again the fourth week. Because um, I think if I introduce a song and then don't sing it the next week, people are going to forget about it. Um, so repetition of new songs is important. And then if a song feels dead to you, I would say don't do it. Because if you're the leader and you're not feeling it, like... Like what? Let's call them out. Cornerstone? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 I agree. So in that sense, that's amazing because you don't even have to be a leader. You're just like, you sing, you sing the first line. No, honestly, I'm for that. Or have someone on your team lead it who does enjoy it. No, not at all. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. No, not, I didn't feel like that. You're good. Because I think that is... Yeah. Yeah, talk to me after. I'll show you. Um, I'm going to pray. If you guys want to follow up, I'll approach me. Feel free. I'd love to meet you guys. And... Uh, it's a smart board. I can't write on it. There is chalk. Wow, this is going back in time. My email is alec at people's church east dot com and I've never felt more like a professor than I did just then <laughs> father bless your people thanks for calling us to be leaders in your church I ask that you'd give favor and confidence and boldness to each of these men and women and allow the church and the earth today to worship you in spirit and in truth amen thanks for being here guys